Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Normally this is Wacky Wednesday, but we used to call this back in the day Wild Turkey Wednesday. I am Adam Best, here as always with the mustachioed golden voice of Sterling Holmes. What's going on, brother? I am in southern Indiana. I know if you listened to yesterday's show or me on Stacking the Box, I've laid this out once, or should I say twice, but you're going to get it a third time. I'm in southern Indiana at my grandparents' house. I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm using a hotspot. I have a nice crest of armor behind my dome right now. I don't know why. It's not a family crest. I don't think we have a family crest. If we do, I guess that's it. Uh, So I'm here. I hope things go well. They went well the first two times. I have not had coffee yet this morning, so I'm struggling in the words of Joe Namath. But besides that, I'm doing great. Adam, how are you? I'm a little jacked up. I'm normally not a morning person, but this morning I was up at like 6.30, just chugging caffeine, singing the Pixies, my dog is looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? But uh, happy happy to be here. Glad we're still doing the show despite the holiday. And as always, just so wonderful to be a Chiefs fan. Not only is it wonderful to be a Chiefs fan, what's wonderful is KC Beer Company. KC Beer Company is sponsor of this show. And even if they weren't a sponsor, I would still drink their beer because it is that damn Good. Uh, They've been using the German purity laws of 1516, probably the same year as this coat of armor behind me. Uh, They use only four ingredients. I'm telling you guys, it's truly wonderful. If you've not had or tried Casey Beer Company, I highly, highly recommend it. If you're in the Kansas City area, Kansas or Missouri, you can get it. Uh, But if you do live in the Kansas City area, go to the beer hall. Trust me, it's a fantastic experience. Casey Beer Company, dare to beer different. I'm actually going to be in KC for the Rams game. I'm pretty pumped. Oh, nice. That, that's the nice. one. I picked this game because I thought I'd go back once a year. Both my brother and dad are season ticket holders. And I thought, well, get to see the Super Bowl champs, right? This is going to be an epic game. Not so much. They look awful. Maybe the worst line in the league. No Cooper Cup. Uh, it's going to be a cakewalk. But hey, at least we know the Chiefs will almost certainly get the dub, right? Well, oh, come on. Don't, don't say that. I feel more comfortable when the Chiefs play a, a top-end team than I do when they play a bottom feeder. Yeah, kind of a letdown game. I, I, at this point in the season, I don't expect that, though. We're, you know, we're rolling. We're rolling at this point. Speaking of rolling, let's roll into some awards. Let's go with the first award, the I Am Inevitable Award. I am inevitable. Patty Mahomes. Who else, right? So when Mahomes got the ball back with 146 remaining, NBC flashed a graphic that said the Chiefs had a 24% chance of winning that game. But most of us, we knew that was much closer to 100%. I mean, it's crazy that we're that confident, but he's just that damn good. And my favorite part of it was when the camera cut and zoomed in on Justin Herbert. You guys might remember the meme 
I think it was from Batman versus Superman when Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck were doing an interview. And Henry Cavill was just, I'm Superman. I'm, I'm a star. I'm living it up. And Ben Affleck is just like, oh, I used to win Oscars and now I'm doing this shit. And he just had the, the, like, the most depressed existential look on his face. And the meme was the Simon and Gun- Garfunkel sound of silence, you know, hello, darkness, my old friend. And I swear to God, when I saw Justin Herbert on the sideline, that is what flashed into my head. He knew. He knew, didn't he? Oh, he 100% knew. I tweeted out when it happened. I go, this, this is a guy that knows the game is over. Herbert did his best, but I guess your best wasn't good enough. Mahomes on the other side is playing like an MVP. He is the front runner for MVP right now. Jalen Hurts was basically riding on the undefeated streak for the Eagles. He's had a very nice season. Not even close to Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen started off with a very good season. Uh, He's making rookie mistakes in what, his fourth year now. Patrick Mahomes, this is his MVP. If he just plays average for him, nothing spectacular, he's going to win the MVP this season. And it's just so incredible. We talked all offseason, not necessarily us, but national media, What's the loss of Tyreek Hill going to mean? You know, who's he going to go to in big time moments? What's it going to, who's he looking for when the game's on the line? We have all those answers. Not only was Juju missing this game, but Cole Hardman, the long tenured at this point wide receiver for Kansas City, he found a way to get it done. You know, the national media sitting here going, well, if Aaron Rodgers had Justin Watson and Sky Moore, things might be different. (laughs) Mahomes is just on a different level. He is too damn good. And now, the road warrior is 14 and 0 against the AFC West on the road. Maybe my favorite chief stat of this era. Just incredible that you think about these divisional games and how much preparation goes into, especially a team that's been a juggernaut like the chiefs and they still can't even beat us on their home turf, their home, their home shitty turf. Let's be honest. Thanks a lot for the CEH injury and the, the Juan Thornhill injury and, I'm not going to blame them for the Kadarius Tony. His hamstrings are made of of rubber bands. But uh, yeah, like you said, the MVP is his for the taking. Also, I think the Super Bowl, I, I now believe that the Chiefs have the best shot to win. 538, they do a an NFL forecast, and their model gives the Chiefs a 23% chance to win the Super Bowl. That is tops in the league. It's starting to feel a lot like 2019. Even with the Colts loss, uh, maybe even with the San Francisco 49ers meeting us in the promised land. I mean, they're, they're looking pretty, pretty nasty there on Monday night, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I would agree. And it, it looks like the Chiefs have the inside track for the one seed in the AFC. Uh, honestly, I think the second best team I talked to it with Verderam might be the Ravens because the Ravens, if you've looked at their schedule, it is the easiest schedule to end the season you will possibly see. And the Ravens are a good regular season team, not a good playoff team. We know this. But the Chiefs right now, if they hold Pat, will end up with the one seed. What a massive advantage in a year that was supposed to be a reloading, a retooling season. Every other team in the AFC is saying, this is our chance. This is the year. It is not your year. Nope. The Ravens, the look on my face when you said that, because I watched – uh, I'm heavily invested in Lamar Jackson and fantasy and Mark Andrews. So I watched a lot of that game on, on Sunday versus the Panthers. No, they good. struggled to put the Panthers away. I mean, that is, that's brutal. They could not run the ball on the Panthers. Demarcus Robinson 
is now playing like their number one receiver. I mean, props to him, but that's not a, he was our number four last year. So that's not a good place to live. No, no, they can't throw the ball. But again, if you look at the schedule, you say, okay, I could see how it's child's play. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Uh, let's get into the second award, the It's All About the Benjamins Award. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Give this one to Isaiah Pacheco. As you know, Benjamin is slang for 100. And as I predicted on the pregame show, he would get his first 100-yard rushing performance. Uh, he's going to be a real difference maker. And it, it's not just volume that did it for him. 15 carries is a good workload, not a massive one. But his 2.4, positive 2.4 rushing yards over expected per carry was second best in the league. The only one that was better than him was, I think, James Cook, who had a smaller workload. Tony Pollard, of all people, who looks like maybe the best back in the league right now, was right behind him. So efficiency-wise, this guy is getting it done. And with CEH out for, I mean, who knows how long CEH is out? We will need him to be more of a workhorse. Right, Sterling? Yeah, no, I agree. Isaiah Pacheco... What I like, what's going to go, or at least what I think is going to happen going forward, Isaiah Pacheco, first and second downs, Jared McKinnon, third down. Isaiah Pacheco, he runs angry. He runs efficiently. He falls forward. I like the way he runs. But the one thing I will say is we saw him in pass protection. Got bulldozed. And I, I like the fact that he was there, that he tried, right? That That's... A big part of pass protection is you have to at least be willing to put your body on the line. But we saw a glimpse of why we probably didn't see him earlier on in the season. That might be a microcosm of why he's just now starting to get inserted into the lineup and get a lot more carries, a lot more action. I trust Jarek McKinnon more in that situation. But guess what? That's why he's on the roster because you trust him there. But Isaiah Pacheco on first and second down, I love the way he runs. He's going to continuously get more and more carries. We might see Ronald Jones get called up to the active roster. I still think he's going to be an insurance policy. But Isaiah Pacheco sure. on first and second, McKinnon on third, that's a solid lineup right there. I love the way he runs. He run, he's he got some brave heart in him. He's just William Wallace, just, ah, just charging every run he runs like it might be his last. And maybe that's because he's a, se- a seventh-round pick, right? 
his, without any draft capital to speak of, his career is by no means guaranteed. And he has really just snatched the moment by the throat. And huge credit to Brett Veach, who really learned, I believe, from the Clyde Edwards-Elaire reach in the first round. That was a costly mistake. I believe it probably cost the Chiefs the Super Bowl. I, I think back like, wow, what would that Super Bowl look like if they had if they had another offensive lineman or if they had T. Higgins or Michael Pittman? And hindsight is, is 20-20. But what I like about Brett Veach is that I feel he always, he, he's, he really is not afraid to kind of harshly self-evaluate. And when he's signing Jarek McKinnon off the scrap heap, and picking Pacheco in the seventh round, which may be his biggest draft coup yet, you know he's he's challenging himself to get better. And uh, I think this is going to be a good running game down the stretch. What do you think about Daryl Henderson? Wanted to mention him getting cut. He's fine. I mean, he's fine. I don't think he's anything spectacular. I think he's just a, just a guy. Uh, he doesn't move the needle for me. I think it would still be the Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. Those are your top two. Is Daryl Henderson any better than Ronald Jones? I think they're basically interchangeable when it comes to the value they they produce. Daryl Henderson's probably a better pass catcher. I'll, I'll give you that. And blocker. And blocker. I'll throw that caveat in there as well. But Ronald Jones up the middle, I'd probably prefer Ronald Jones that situation. Plus, he's been at least with his team for a while as far as he knows the playbook. He knows the scheme, knows what's going on. A little easier for running backs to get your footing in this situation, but I prefer Ronald Jones over Daryl Henderson. We're not talking about some elite guy. We're not talking no. about Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara. When it comes to these, this level of player, as long as it's not Melvin Gordon, Butterfinger Gordon, I'm okay. I agree. He's a warm body, but I just kind of like the fact that he is, is versatile, can run, can pass block, uh, can catch, actually has hands. I'm not even sure Ronald Jones has hands. I think he just carries the ball with his elbows. Let's move on to the next award, the Born Again Hard Award. Private Powell, you are definitely born again hard. Hell, I may even allow you to serve as a rifleman in my beloved corps. Sir, yes, sir. Full metal jacket. That is a family favorite. As dark as that sounds, my dad loves it. So (laughs) almost every holiday season, we throw it on. Usually just the opening 35 minutes. He loves it. Uh, Says a lot about my family. But uh, this goes to the Chiefs offensive line. Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney have been amazing all year. But rewatching the game, I thought Trey Smith was phenomenal. I really think he looks like himself again. He's turned the corner. And PFF agreed with this. They gave him an 89.3 grade. That's, that was the second highest on the team. And let's talk about Orlando Brown Jr. To my eyes, he has been better over the past month. What have you seen out of OBJ, Sterling? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit yesterday as well. He has been impressive. You're seeing the detractors, myself included. I, you know, I was on the fence of I don't think he's deserved a long term, especially at the the contract that he wants. He's not deserved that in my eyes. Well, he's played really well. I just still don't think he's quite there from what he's wanting, but he's deserved to come back either on a franchise tag, if you can find a way to to, to mend the deal together to make it work for both sides. I'm all in because what we've seen is a very good above average left tackle. He's not, he's not elite. He, he's still not Trent Williams. He's not going to be that guy, but he's been a serviceable above average guy. You can count on at left tackle. 
the offensive line in in general, the cohesion that's been shown recently has helped tremendously. I think it's shown why Isaiah Pacheco is starting to get a lot going on the ground, the offensive line up front. Maybe it's the less RPOs that might be helping the offensive line as well. But you mentioned Trey Smith, and I agree. He looks healthy. The bye week helped him. Trey Smith is finally back to looking like he did last year. Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, we know they're solid. Creed Humphrey's finally starting to get recognition for the national media, by the way. We're finally starting to see the national announcers say Creed Humphrey might be the best center in the NFL. You love seeing that in his second year. Uh, Andrew Wiley has been serviceable. He's been fine. Not hearing a ton from the right side. So as a whole, I can't complain. Yeah, going back to Orlando Brown Jr., I like the idea of franchise tagging him. I forget the exact number there. It's going to be like $20 million. Now, when you think about getting rid of Orlando Brown Jr., it may sound good at first. But when you really think about it, this guy is the Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins of left tackles. He is by no means sexy. But when you think about trying to replace him, it's going to be damn hard. It will be damn hard because the Chiefs, good luck finding a a left tackle uh, that you're going to want to sign long term off free agency, maybe a trade. But picking in the last four or five in the draft every single year it is hard to find a cornerstone left tackle there, almost impossible. So I think they should buy themselves more time providing he holds up for the rest of the season. Got another stat here for you. Uh, ESPN Next Gen Stats has the Chiefs line as first overall in pass pro win rate and second in run block uh, win rate. So they are getting it done. I know our tackles were a little maligned and deservedly slow, uh, so, so because they had a slow start, but it really looks like the unit is solidifying and at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I think they deserve more credit if we're going to rip on. For the most part, it hasn't been the interior offensive line. They've been very sturdy, but we've been ripping on the tackles for a good amount of the season. Give them credit where credit is due. They have stepped up. It is time to stop being a detractor and start giving them their props. Uh, Let's get into the next award. The More, More, More Award. I love Billy Idol. You got to. You got to. Big Billy Idol guy. (laughs) Let's give this one to uh, this guy more, right? He finally auditioned for a bigger role and he nailed it. He nailed it. And I would say that his five receptions for 63 yards, that doesn't tell the entire story. You have to go back and watch the game. You have to watch him cooking Derwin James, maybe the best safety in the league with just a, a breathtaking release move off the line of scrimmage. Uh, and another catch, he had the wherewithal to, I would, I would say kind of freestyle his route. Maybe he's, he's picking some stuff up from Juju and Travis Kelsey. And that allowed Mahomes to improvise and throw a low dart where only he could get it. I don't even know if it was Mahomes' best pass. It was a good pass, but it was a little low for my liking. But he still got his hands underneath it and scooped it. I think the broadcasters were surprised that he he hauled that in. Yeah, they, they seem shocked that he was able to bring that ball in. I, I think for me, some of the most impressive aspects of this is he is a rookie coming from a small school. I kept telling folks to calm down. You know, he had a hard way of getting onto the field. We knew there was a lot of guys above him in the pecking order. But this is why I said calm down he stepped up he finally got an opportunity and he he grabbed the bull by the horns 
And not only that, the you mentioned the German James. The route running was on full display. The hands, the Johnny Benchian sized hands were on full display. He's not the fastest guy, but he gets it done. He finds ways to get it done. I'm very excited to see what his future holds for Kansas City. I do think with uh, Juju eventually coming back with McCole Hardman, whenever he does come back after the four weeks, he might be sliding back down the depth chart. But again, it's nice knowing, no, he's not a bust. You have this in your back pocket when you need him. And I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, his role will almost certainly be downsized at some point. But given the spotty health uh, track record of, I would really say, almost all the other receivers outside of Justin Watson, particularly Juju and Kadarius Tony. I mean, the fact that Kadarius Tony uh, already hurt his hamstrings had me wanting to drink bleach at halftime, but that's, uh, <laughs> I digress. Uh, but it does make me feel not only better about the future, but if we get into a spot in the playoffs where we're banged up again, we are legitimately five or six deep at the receiver position and then you have Jody Fortson and Noah Gray doing some receiver type, uh, type stuff out there. A lot of security. Yeah, I, I've just been thrilled with the depth at receiver with Justin, uh, not Justin Watson, Jody Fortson, even at backup tight end, Noah Gray. You have pass catchers littered around this team. I mean, that throw from Mahomes to Jody Fortson, not only give Jody Fortson a ton of credit for catching that ball because he was blanketed. I don't even think he saw the ball. He just threw his hands out there. But that throw has to go down as a top five Mahomes throw. Of all the amazing throws he's made, that has to be in there because that was just incredible. That was Robin Hood hitting the bullseye on a moving target. Just, I don't know how he, I swear to God, like if you measured down to the inch of where that ball needed to be, it was within millimeters of being perfect. One of the best throws you'll ever see. And Jody Fortson looking like uh, Des Bryant out there rocking that 88. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, speaking of hot takes, since you're going with Jody Fortson is now Des Bryant. Hot Take Kingdom, one of our favorite segments we do. Adam Best throws up a hot take. List out all the arguments for why we should be on board with his hot take. We will end with a poll that you guys, the listeners, folks in the comments can vote on. Adam, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, this is kind of going to be a two-parter. And I've been listening to the channel. I've been listening to the rest of the Chiefs space. And I feel like the Chiefs coaching staff has taken a lot of heat lately. And I guess my contrarian take is that the coaching staff has been maligned recently, but they're actually doing a fantastic job. Welcome to the kingdom. Most of this centers around two things. The Chiefs allegedly not running enough and the complaint that Steve Spagnuolo waits too long to make adjustments. So the first thing I beg you to do this weekend, maybe not this weekend if you're with family, but if you can, turn on the Red Zone channel, please, and watch the rest of the league to witness how spectacularly bad most of the coaching in this league is. Just please. Even go back to watch that Ravens game last week where offensive coordinator Greg Roman couldn't figure out how to run with Lamar Jackson and co. against the freaking Carolina Panthers. So some much-needed perspective, right? That's what I want to start off with. Now onto my specific case. Part one is going to be the offense. So the Chiefs have been the most dominant team of the past half decade. This means they have gone from hunter to hunted. 
teams come into every matchup just jacked up out of their minds to beat the Chiefs. But I also think teams prepare for the Chiefs probably more than they do other teams. Would that be a fair assumption to make? Uh, Especially in the division. In the division, yes. In the division, yes. And they also have played the most games over the past five years. And that means, guess what? There's the most tape on the Chiefs. So I would say that teams come in as prepared as they do for any opponent and definitely as motivated as they do for any opponent. I kind of feel like, especially initially in games, that aggression is hard is hard to match. We used to talk about this with those like really gifted 2000 Lakers teams where every team saw them playing them as their NBA championship. And sometimes they coasted, but they, they could flip the switch when they really needed to. And I feel like the Chiefs flip the switch when they need to. So the Chiefs are on a 25-game winning streak in the months of November and December. When the, when the weather gets bad and injuries are the, are the worst and teams are starting to figure out who they are and figure out how you are, the Chiefs have been the best team in the league. So if that doesn't scream competency, I don't know what the word means. So addressing the established the run argument directly, the running backs had 23 combined carries against the Chargers. I think any more than that, when you have probably the greatest quarterback to ever walk God's green earth under center would be malpractice. That is plenty. That is plenty. That is borderline too much. I don't care who you're playing. That was a, I thought that was a really good mix. And any more than that, you're taking the ball away from Mahomes. You're taking the ball away from Kelsey. You're losing your identity a little bit. The offense is number one in EPA per play by a wide margin. They are first also in offensive DVOA. The only team that's really close to them in either metric is the Miami Dolphins. And then pretty, like, I, I think in, in EPA per play, they double up the, the Eagles, which are the fifth best, efficient, most efficient team. So you can't, I mean, I'm just kind of at the point where what more could you possibly ask for outside of perfection? You mentioned this earlier. Pacheco got ragdolled by Derwin James on that blitz. And Mahomes got sacked. So I believe there's a reason he can only be out there so much. When the guy can't pass protect, it is hard. It is a challenge to get him 15 touches. I think that's a real challenge. I thought the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff, Reed, Bianami, et cetera, entered the game with a plan that was conducive to running. Mahomes was under center as opposed to in shotgun more than in any other game this season. And the Chiefs were in 13 personnel, which means three tight ends, the second highest percentage of the season. They came into this game kind of tweaking, tweaking their personnel and their, their approach so they could get that running game going, and they did. I actually think it's really impressive that a pass-happy team can lean on the run when they need it without atrophy. The Bills, the Rams, the Bucks. look at these other teams in the league that are really pass-happy and pass-oriented. They, they really struggle to run when they need it, all three of those teams. Maybe even the Bengals at times have have trouble going back from we need to be pass happy this game. We need to we need to run, you know, pound the rock this game. So I actually think the Chiefs are showcasing that when they need to to kind of pull that out of their sleeve, they can. That's my case for the offensive side of this. Sterling, how do you feel about everything I've said? Well, just offensively, we're just gonna stick here. We're not just gonna say one game and now everything's fixed. Because it's not. I, I think the offensive side of the ball, the play calling has not been ideal. We're looking at it through rose-colored glasses over the last couple of games when things are going 
perfectly correct. They're finally taking RPOs out. At least they're they're taking those down a notch. If that continues, then yes, I will be thrilled. But that's my main complaint with this with this team and with the coaching staff. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have a great offensive line. Use them. Use them. Don't add confusion. Don't overthink it. The third and ones, the fourth and ones, I get a little frustrated sometimes because I do think they overthink situations. They, they would go back and back to Michael Burton. That's fine. It works eventually. But if that doesn't work, do something else. And by the way, do a damn QB sneak. Do a QB sneak. <laughs> it was a freak accident that happened. I understand I'm probably going to get roasted because I, I want Mahomes to get one yard. But, dude, he's falling forward. It's the easiest way. Look around the NFL. The, the percentage rate of doing a QB sneak is unreal. It's unparalleled. Especially now with the now with the pushing, the 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 rugby, the scrum, rugby style right? push. Yes, like just do that. I just feel like there's sometimes too much overthinking going on when there does not need to be. I think the trend is correct, but I do think it was fair to call out the offensive coaching staff early on this season. They were struggling. They were overthinking. They're making things too convoluted. But now, if this continues, I do think you are correct. We can give them more credit. All right. I just think that it takes every team a little while into the season to find their groove and figure out their the current iteration of the roster. And I have to add that the Chiefs have more offensive shakeup. Now their offensive line completely returns, and that that stability, that continuity really helps. But their skill position players, that's almost an entirely new group. Outside of Travis Kelsey, because Noah Gray is playing way more. Jody Fortson got hurt last season. And then all your other receivers are new to the roster. So I think it's reasonable to expect the Chiefs coaching uh, staff to take some time to figure out what do these guys do well in our system? How do all these different Lego pieces fit together? But wouldn't that mean you'd run out more? Wouldn't that mean you would? And this is me, of all people whose team passed the rock with Mahomes, at some point... Just run it like they got away from it too often. They, 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 it's not fun. That's what it comes down to. I think Andy Reid likes fun. Hall of Fame coach. Love Andy Reid. This is not me trying to rip on Andy by, by any stretch of the imagination. But what I do think sometimes it feels like running the ball is not fun. Getting four or five yards in the ground, that's not fun. It's not sexy. Let's try and do something different. Let's, let's, let's have the big play happen. Get your four or five yards. It, it's working. Don't go away from it. Does he like fun or does he like efficiency? Because passing is more efficient than running the ball. And more specifically, if you think about our running backs, Pacheco, seventh round pick, played in a terrible system with a terrible offensive line at Rutgers, needed some time to take those train wheels off and develop his feel for the game, his vision. CEH, a pretty pedestrian back that doesn't do anything well. So you don't want to just pound the rock with him. And then Jarek McKinnon, he's a 30-year-old oft-injured player who you need to make sure makes it through the season. So maybe there are specific reasons why they haven't leaned on the run. And and especially, I, I just keep going back to this, you have the best player on the planet. You just do not want to take the ball out of his hands too much. I'm not saying the coaching staff is perfect, but... Would we, again, this is a great argument. We've talked about this with the kicking, the kicking carousel. Who would you trade them for? No, correct. You- I agree. No, I, as far as what they've done, and, and it's also a little difficult because guys like, I, I'm not saying I would trade them for, not at all. 
but you're seeing what like Brian Dable's doing with the Giants, and they're having wild, wild success with Daniel Jones. Uh, you're looking at around the NFL. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's doing a great job with Kirk Cousins and that Vikings team. Uh, Nick Sirianni is doing a great job with what we all thought was going to be a great Eagles team outside of quarterback, and they're finding ways to use Jalen Hurts and get him involved in the pass game as well as the run game. I'm not saying I would trade Andy Reid and this coaching staff for any of those guys, but I do think it helps when you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, a great offensive line. You have this continuity year over year, these building block pieces. I love Andy Reid, Hall of Famer. But at times, I just want to say, I think they overthink it and they don't do the easy thing. They want to do the sexy thing. Yeah, they want to get cute and put a lot of things on tape. But for my money, the only person alive that I think would be as good of a fit for this offense is probably Sean Payton. There just is nobody else offensively that has shown the ability to have sustained dominance offensively. So just maybe appreciate what we have. That doesn't mean that we can't, they're beyond reproach or we can't nitpick a little bit. And I I do agree that they get a little cute, especially in the red zone, but they're also very prolific in the red zone and the best offense in football. So since this is a two-parter, let's table that because I want to get you on both, not just one. We're going for two. We're, you know, we're a little greedy. It's Thanksgiving. We're stuffing our face. So part two is on Spags waiting too long to make adjustments. I think I've sort of flip-flopped on this after re-watching the game, really digesting it. Th- speaking of Thanksgiving, they might have the youngest back seven in the league. Think about that. 10 defensive backs or linebackers receive more than 10 snaps. Their average age, care to guess? 26. 23.7. Six of those players are in their first year with the team. So my guess is that Spag sticks with the plan in the first half in part to avoid communication breakdowns, then does a more substantial tweak during the half when they can ensure that they get everybody on the same page. I think that's a pretty reasonable conclusion when you have that lack of experience and not you know, a long history of communication with those players. I would also say that the secondary... I might get roasted for this. The Comets may not like this, but I don't think the secondary is as good as Chiefs Kingdom thinks it is. And Spags is making the best out of his talent. I especially think that our safety group is kind of shaky uh, compared to what we wanted it to be, particularly Juan Thornhill. And I don't think Brian Cook is there yet. And then our rookies are just really outside of Sneed, really inexperienced. What I like I know you're going to agree with this because we've talked about it. I love the third down uh, defensive line passing rotations. Him going back to his New York Giants NASCAR package days. You throw Mike Dana inside. You throw George Karloftis inside. And that produced a sack against the Chargers. That has produced some sacks this year. Uh, And I I love just think Mike Dana, what an unsung hero of this Mm. roster, just does – Everything that's needed from him doesn't get much praise. So wanted to single him out while we got the chance. Uh, Herbert didn't compete, complete a pass beyond the sticks in the second half until he hit that late laser to a diving Keenan Allen. Remember that? So I like how the game plan evolved. They did get, they did get burned a little bit right off the bat, but they settled in. And then after the halftime, they looked fantastic. And before the half, they had a just game-saving goal line stand. I I think the guys that really stepped up there were Jones and Snead, but you got to give Spag some credit there. 
uh, against the Chargers, the defense had their third best DVOA of the season. So data-wise, the performance stands up. To summarize, I get when a team is so great, you have to find things to nitpick again. But again, they're the most consistent team in the league. And I just think we wouldn't trade. Maybe you would trade. Let's ask the same question about Spagnolo. How many defensive coordinators would you rather have than him? It's a little bit tougher of a question than Andy Reid, correct? Yes, correct. Andy Reid is is one of one. Spagnolo, I think, though, is doing the best with what is given. And by the way, Spagnolo is a guy who traditionally likes veterans the most part, right? Spags yeah. is a guy who who went into this season being like, I like some of the young guys, but I wish we didn't have them all at once. And then even Rashad Fitton, they're like, sorry, Spags, can't play him anymore either. We want all rookies. We want all young guys outside of Legereus need a corner. It's impressive what he's done. Okay. I think it's very impressive. And I've, I've, I know folks get angry with Steve Spagnuolo. I understand, but put some perspective behind this. Does he take a while to adjust? Yes. But also I think part of it comes down to, he's trying to see what he has. He wants to see if Joshua Williams can go one-on-one with, um, you know, Mike Williams. He wants to see what Trent McDuffie can do one-on-one against Keenan Allen. He's trying to see what he has. And then second, have you guys, all right, that's not working. All right. Mike Evans against the Buccaneers, for example. You're getting bracketed. You cooked his first game. I like what he's done, and he's adjusted this year when he did not adjust last year. Against the Bengals, Jamar Chase busted him open in the first half. What do you do the second half? Nah, let's still single coverage you. This year? No. We're going to bracket you now in the second half. I'll give my guys an opportunity in the first half to see if you can stop them. And if you can't, now we're going to double or at least bracket. I think that he's done a fantastic job, especially on the defensive line as the season's progressed. Mike Dana, uh, I don't know how many teams he's really playing on, you know, getting this many snaps for. Carlos Dunlap, right? Carlos Dunlap, not really a lot of teams vying for his, his services, but they're looking good right now. I think Spags is doing a good job putting him in the right spots. Chris Jones, Chris Jones has been so impactful this season because Spags is putting him all over the line. Putting him at DN, a DN some in obvious passing situations to get after the quarterback. I'm frankly impressed with what Spagnuolo has done this year. How quickly we for, have forgotten the days of Joe Johnson points this out. Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton thought that halftime adjustments were something you did with your crotch. He just didn't didn't make, didn't make them. Literally a historically bad defense in Mahomes' first year and injecting Steve Spagnolo onto this coaching staff has allowed us, even though we've had some rocky starts each year, he's always crept back to, to average, if not slightly above average, which in the Mahomes era, that is, that is all you need. That's all you need. And I think he's dialing up the blitzes at the right moment. That Willie Gay blitz where he was mm. untouched. That was, that was some really good play calling. And I like the mix of, I don't think they're blitzing too much. I think it's just right. So Sterling, you've heard my case. Two cases, actually. Should we lower the castle gates or keep them up? I'll go in with you. I'm I'm in because I I do think the coaching staff gets ripped on too much. I do think there's things that both sides obviously can, can adjust and it can work on. But when it comes down to it, you mentioned it. Who else would you want as head coach calling the plays as demons, a coordinator, this team is eight and two with a lot of youth. They're doing something right. Hell yeah, they are. We ready to move on? Let's do it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So we're doing hater of the week again. It's been a little while. 
And the hater of the week is Theo Ash. He's an NFL podcaster. He had this tweet go viral. Gronk was easily better than Kelsey. Put the calculators away and watch the film. I'm going to put this nicely. Get the fuck out of here, Theo. Saying either of these players is easily better than the other is an objectively bad take. That said, I believe Kelsey is better. I don't know where you stand, but I thought we'd kind of jump in and make the case and sort this out together. For me, I don't know if I like the who's better because they're so different. Both are so unique. I know folks love to make the case, well, Gronk blocked better. Sure, congratulations, he did. Gronk was a better blocker. There's no denying that. But Travis Kelsey is a very solid blocker in his own right. But why would the Chiefs use him in that way when he's so good as a receiver? Same thing with George Kittle. They use him as an extra offensive lineman a lot of times in San Fran. And they're like, well, he can block better than Kelsey. Well, why would you take Kelsey's best attribute away from him? He's the best receiving tight end in NFL history, Travis Kelsey is. The longevity for Travis Kelsey, I think, stands up. Gronk's peak was unbelievable. No, no denying that. But Dog was out of the NFL by what, 29? Was it 29, 30? He, had, he retired once and he came back for one year, so it throws you off a little bit. But Gronk had that meteoric rise. The peak was incredible. And then he broke down. And you almost have to think some of that play style plays into him breaking down. Travis Kelsey is not just a unicorn for how good he is, but it's for how long he's he's been doing it for. Sure, it's not Tony Gonzalez-level longevity, but Travis Kelsey's getting there. I, I don't like the who's better, who's best, because to me, they're so different. They both have their roles. Both are fantastic to watch. I don't, I'm not going to argue with you over who's better or who's best, but I will say if you think one is clearly better than the other one, you're out of your damn mind. Oh, I will argue your guy, Joshua Briscoe on times ours was very diplomatic about this. I'd listened to them last night. He said, we shouldn't do this. We should just appreciate all of them. I want some drama. It's good radio. I want to talk <laughs> about why Travis Kelsey's better. I think he's better. I really do the best availability and the best abilities availability. You pointed that out. Kelsey's been more durable and consistent. And the flip side to making Gronk or Kittle an extra tackle is these guys are always hurt, always hurt. Kelsey's never hurt. Knock on wood here, right? But he's never hurt. And that availability has allowed him to flourish in a way no tight end has ever flourished. Since 2016, this is a crazy stat, Kelsey has the most receiving yards with 8,124 yards. That's not among tight ends. That's among all skill players. Adams, Diggs, Tyreek, Mike Evans, uh, New Hopkins, name whoever you want. He is number one. Nobody has more yards than 87. That is, that's in basically seven seasons, he's been the best receiver in the league as a tight end. Unprecedented. Kelsey also just passed Gronk for most 100-yard receiving games for a tight end with 33. That just happened Sunday night. On his career, Kelsey has about 600 more yards and 150 more receptions. Gronk has more touchdowns, but I don't know. Being a great red zone weapon, I think that the touchdown argument's a little overrated, right? I believe Emmett Smith has more touchdowns than, than Barry Sanders. Emmett Smith better than Barry Sanders? No, no. But to say the touchdown argument's overrated, I, I don't think it's overrated. Sometimes there is value in having a guy you can legitimately just throw the ball up to and have him come down with it. There, there is something to that. I don't think it's everything, but I do think it's something. Well, a lot of people think it's everything. 
right? That's almost all they look at. They throw out, they throw out yards. And I'll also say the Patriots, the Patriots success, this is an interesting angle was never as dependent on Gronk as the chiefs are in Kelsey now. So when Gronk played with the Patriots, they had a dominant running game and always one of the best defenses in the league. The chiefs, if Kelsey has a bad game in the playoffs, you're going home. It's vacation time. If Gronk has a bad game in the playoffs, I think that Patriots team was built to survive. They It featured him, make no doubt about it. And he is one of the, the best tight ends of all time. I'm not taking anything away from the dude, but he was not quite as essential as Kelsey is to this offense, this team. I will say it. I would be, I would believe I would be duplicitous if we didn't at least say Gronkowski's blocking helped spring open some of the run game for New England. Yeah. Again, I I just think it's an interesting argument. I think it's always fun to say who's better, who's best, right? In the NBA, yeah. it's difficult because it's at this point it's coming down to the majority of folks saying Jordan or LeBron James. But if you wanted to throw a center in there, let's say like Wilt Chamberlain, that'd be an easier competition, Kareem, easier baby. comp. Sure, Kareem. We could say Kareem. But, but, but what Travis Kelsey did and what Gronkowski did were two totally different things. They were both played the same position, yes, but they both excelled at different aspects. And that's what it comes down to. Both are winners. If, if you want to make the case of – I see uh, Thomas says if you were a GM and you could have a tight end in your team for their whole career, you would take Kelsey every time. Gronk was amazing but too short-lived. And I would make the case that I don't know. I would take Kelsey for my team and for this Chiefs team, for sure you would take Travis Kelsey. But for what New England ran, I think they would take Gronk. It comes down to team uh, team and roster construction. I think that's a big, big question mark. What are you trying to do? I, I don't want to get dragged into bringing down another player who was so amazing because Travis Kelsey's right here in Kansas City. I love Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's the man. He's the guy. But I don't want to bring down another guy just to bump him up. What are we, New England fans? I'm not bringing him down. I think Gronk is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the essential players of the last 20 years. I mean, I can't I can't compliment the guy enough, but I don't think he's better than Travis Kelsey. And maybe it's a it's weird that they're, they're the same age, right? But it's kind That's of a generation. It's really a generational argument. It's almost like that was more of a Mercedes Lewis kind of era where blocking tight ends still thrived, and we're moving in a Kyle Pitts direction. And- <laughs> well, I, well, we should be, but Atlanta's still like, hey, Kyle, <laughs> you, we're going to use you as George Kittle now. You're blocking 80% of the time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Now he's hurt. But Kelsey's route tree is more complete. So for this moment, I like him better. You know, Gronk was kind of the incredible Hulk out there and just me, Gronk, and he's just smashing everything. But Kelsey's more of a, a brilliant ballet of violence. And let's talk about football IQ. There's just no way, I'm not trying to be mean, but there's no way in hell Gronk could have been the mastermind behind that 13-second comeback. Maybe he could be the mastermind behind like a, a beach volleyball tournament for meatheads, but not, not that 13-second comeback. No way. Kelsey's IQ is on another level. And I think if you guys can sense me being a little annoyed, I, I just am tired I don't know if it's because the Chiefs are from the Midwest or what the deal is. I'm just sick and tired of no Chief ever being being able to be the best at any moment. Mahomes is gone. Mahomes, if you asked 90% of folk, 90%, if you did a, 
a study, even with national media, they don't get any recognition. So you don't get the Emmanuel Ocho saying, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is sixth best in the NFL. Like an anonymous, an anonymous test. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? I bet 90% would say at least 90 would say Mahomes. The Athletic had that blind survey and one executive said that he thought Mahomes struggled past his first read, which was just such a fucking stupid thing to say. I can't even believe that. Person but, 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 but we're seeing still has that's a job. one. That's one out of how many? That's but my all point. We heard all season. No, no, that's my point. We're focusing so much on the one. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. So all off season though, and and then what happened when the Chiefs were three and four last year? Oh, he's broken. He's broken. Is something wrong with him? Everyone jumped on him, wanting him to be. And what was it? Oh nine. Folks were saying Tom Brady's done. Okay. I'm not going to hear it. It, it, It's just how the media works. We know this. I'm not going to sit here and and rip on everyone for for, for having bad takes. We've all had bad takes. We've been there. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. We know this. It's a new experience for us, though, coping with these arguments because we're still relatively new to the limelight after at least most of my lifetime not being a marquee team in the league. Even when we had some good years, the Chiefs were still an afterthought. You know, did did we really feel like one of the banner franchises, even during the Dick Vermeil or Marty Ball eras? No, but now, now I would say this is the past what five years, four years at least. It's been it's in the Chiefs. It, it's it's almost an afterthought of it's the Chiefs here. Now who's vying for a second? Who can potentially upset? The, the, the natural order of the NFL. That's what it's come down to right now. Um, that's just where it's I'm It's a reality at. I, I, I'm fairly fond of, I have to say. Before we go, I'm going to give you one quick retort here because it's, mm-hmm. we could talk about this for an hour. So before yeah. we move on, a lot of the cases you've made for, for Travis Kelsey, you can make the same case for Tony Gonzalez. And now Tony Gonzalez has done it longer. If we, when we're talking about longevity, being healthy, receiving tight end, Tony Gonzalez, right? How is Travis Kelsey above Tony G? In your eyes, you have 30 seconds. He's got a ring for one. I mean, Tony G was in a Super Bowl, didn't deliver. It's close. I think Travis Kelsey is the smartest, most gifted route runner that has ever played the position. So I just give him the way he's playing right now. I've never seen anybody be better. Even Tony G. I love Tony G. He was, he and Derek Thomas were my favorite Chiefs growing up. So, no Tony G slander. I will take Kelsey probably by a slim margin. The one thing that should be said in Tony G's defense, imagine Tony G if he played in this era on this offense. Then it gets interesting, right? Okay. Let's get into pump or dump. You're not going to get me. I'm I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sitting this one out. When it comes to this, I'm sitting it out. Uh, let's get into KC stock market pump or dump. Yeah, we're going right back into uncomfortable drama. Uh, This isn't really an all-time thing, but I I just think Chris Jones, I'll ask this as a question. Chris Jones has been better than Aaron Donald this year. Pump or dump? Yeah, this year pump. Strictly this this year. year This year I'm pumping. Chris Jones has been better than Aaron Donald this season. Okay, that was easy. We have the numbers to back it up too. I had a tweet that kind of got some numbers and was getting a lot of pushback for this case, but Chris Jones has been better on true pass set, pass rush win rate. And he's had 20% more reps, more sacks, and batted balls. I mean, he really should have two more sacks than he even has. 
because of what happened with the Derek Carr and Matt Ryan debacles. I mean, it's totally true. And he's got a better PFF grade, both pass rushing and run defense. And since week seven, he has the most, uh, or week six, excuse me, he has the most sacks in the league with seven. Really, really just turning it up at the right time. And also when Chris Jones makes his plays have really been kind of game altering or game clinching moments. We haven't seen that from Aaron Donald this year. I feel for Aaron Donald. The Rams are going through it right now and he should have more talent playing alongside him on the defensive line. But I'm not going to punish Chris Jones, who has been living in that dude's enormous shadow for his entire career for for just performing better this year. So I am absolutely pumping too. Yeah, good. Look at this. We agree. I like agreeing with you, Adam. This is fun. Uh, the Chiefs should finally give Ronald Jones a look, pump or dump. Dump. They've had all season. They must just not be feeling it. And I'll go back to what I've said before. He is a human poker tell. Great up the middle. Fantastic rusher for the most part. Cannot pass block. Cannot catch. And we already have that guy in Pacheco who maybe can develop into at least an average pass blocker and catcher. What do you say? If it's Ronald Jones makes an active roster, I will pump. If it's give him seven plus carries a game, I am dumping. I think he makes it on the active roster. I, I think he's, if Clyde's missing time, right? That, that That's the caveat here. If Clyde misses time, it's going to be Ronald Jones in my opinion. Maybe he will carries here and there just to see what he can do. He's going to run pissed. I mean, that guy is going to run extremely pissed off. If he's been short yarded situations. I'm okay with it. Like I'm fine using him on third and one, fourth and one in the red I like zone. That. I could see some Ronald Jones anger come out right there. He is good in those situations. I, I guess I would pump then to if that if that's the 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 caveat is with Ronald with Clyde missing time. Ronald Jones makes it to the roster. He gets a few carries here and there, but nothing as far as taking a lot away from Isaiah Pacheco. Interesting. Okay. Juan Thornhill is the weakest link on the D and will not be re-signed. Pump or dump? Ooh. Yeah. I, uh, pump? Yeah, I think he is. He, he's not had, I don't think, as bad of a season as some make it out to believe. He's for sure not had his all-pro season that he was telling folks he was going to have going into this year. He's been below average. And the rest of the defense, for the most part, has been average or better. And I don't see how the Chiefs re-sign Juan Thornhill based on the drafting of Brian Cook. The writing was on the wall. Juan Thornhill could force their hand if he had an incredible season. And I like Juan Thornhill. I truly do. But it feels like that injury, it just derailed his career. It's extremely sad to watch, but that is what it feels like. Uh, I know everyone misses tackles, but it does feel like maybe he's a, a step slow and that might be why he's missing tackles because the, the, the heart's there, the effort's there, the results just aren't. I really like Juan Thornhill, but I'd be surprised if he's back next year. I was surprised that he's 27. Mm. He's getting up there. I totally agree with you too. He just has never been the same player. And when you're saying, when you're kind of pinning plays on a player, like this blown coverage is this dude's fault. And it's a little hard to say without knowing exactly what was called, what, what the scheme was, what the responsibilities were. But it always seems like Juan Thornhill 
is in the middle of these big plays, making a mistake. It happens time and time again this season. That can't be a coincidence. I'm, uh, I'm also pumping. A whole lot of agreement here. All right, last one. Willie Gay is playing the best football of his career the past few weeks. Pump or dump? I'm pumping. I think he had his career high in tackles this last week. I know that's a counting stat, but it shows that he was all over the place. He had another sack. It just looks great. I, I do think some of the injuries and the personal stuff have slowed his development a little bit. And he even admitted to going through some things last season. I just hope his mind is right. It seems like it is. He's having fun out there. I don't know if you saw it, but after a play, he did the, I love this, the, the too small taunt. He and Nick Bolton are just exact opposites, aren't they? They had that Nick Bolton mic'd up and it was like the most boring thing ever because he's just so polite and, and focused. And Willie Gay is just out here talking shit all night long. <laughs> they, they, they totally are the, the yin and yang of the linebacker room. But uh, yeah, I'm pumping. How about you? Dude, I'm pumping for all four. And this is going to be a big old pump right here. Willie Gay Jr. is for sure playing the best football of his career. It's nice seeing him play with Nick Bolton for now an extended period of time because they really are Batman and Robin. I always throw it out there because I think it's true. They really excel and help each other in different roles. But Willie Gay Jr. is everywhere, man. He looks fast. The, the game is starting to slow down for him. Like Nick Bolton, his football IQ, it's off the charts. Willie Gay Jr. has had the athleticism. And we heard from Brett Veach talk about it. Willie Gay Jr. wanted Nick Bolton drafted because he knew he would help him. And that's what we're seeing. Those two together, it's allowing Willie Gay Jr. to, to, to be freed up, to get after the quarterback, to just pin his ear back, pin his ears back and play. That's what we're seeing. Oh, man, I am stoked about Willie Gay Jr. Not much more can be said there. So let's move on to spot the fake. You guys know the drill by now. I don't know that we're going to top last week's. That was probably the funniest we've ever done with the Condiment King. Just, just wonderful stuff. But this week is Bounty Hunters from Star Wars. So which of these four Dude. is the fake? Boba Fett, IG-88. Dingar, Minjaba, Manhunter. Dog. Boba Fett's <laughs> a real thing. I've heard of that guy's name before. And unless this is a trick question, I've at no, least no, no, heard. You got, it, you got it down to three. That's yeah, I've heard his name before. You said Dingar and Munjaba Manhunter too, too well. Munjaba Manhunter has to be a real dude. Uh, IG88 sounds like Instagram88. I'm going to IG88. No chance. That's Tony Gonzalez's Instagram. Yeah. Boom, baby. Or Jody, Jody Fort's in now. Or Des Bryant to take things for full Wait, circle. So I finally got one right? No, 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 no. no. Fuck, dude. He was in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So it's got to be the Dingar dude. No. <laughs> I completely made up Moon, Moonjaba Manhunter. How the hell do you come up with Moonjaba Manhunter? <laughs> I don't know. I've just been, you know, streaming comics. Why, why aren't you just some comic book writer and come up with names? Manjaba Manhunter is way better than Mustard Man or whatever the fuck it was last week. Condiment King, do not, do not slander the Condiment King. Ugh. He is coming at you with, especially when, when mustard and ketchup are the Chiefs' colors. Gotta love it, right? Ugh. I am so bad at this. Yes, Thomas, Thomas Cooney, because Sterling is so bad at this smiley face it comes just by the fake. You're correct, Thomas. Did I know you call nothing him Thomas, about this. Thomas Gooney? Cooney. 
Oh, C O O N E Y. I just making sure you got that right. I heard, I heard Goonie, and I thought, well, great movie, but I don't know if that's his name. My bad. My I bad. am so bad at this spot the fake thing. I watch football. I don't watch you know, Star we, Wars. We may have to flip it and come up with something new because this is just getting. I, I don't know that we're seeing the improvement we need. No, we're, we're getting segment, way worse. We are. We are trending run. straight down. You were improving for a while. You're really getting it in a groove, and the last month or or so, it's just been just a straight plummet. You know, we like, could, we like could a, do music. If we did music. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm pretty decent at music, um, unless it's country. Then I'm just absolute hot garbage. So mm. we could also do trivia. We'll figure something out. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll workshop we'll, it and come back yeah, to you. With- I'm just, I'm just ass. I'm just ass. I my my confidence on this is just, it's just gone way down at an all time low. Your confidence is Sky Moore returning punts right now. <laughs> so let's take you out with the parting shot. My brother and I started Arrowhead Addict 15 years ago. I'm so thankful for this community and thrilled to be part of it again. Thank you sincerely for supporting us and enjoy your turkey weekend. I expect all of you, I'm serious about this, to go into at least two tryptophan-induced comas this weekend. That's, that's an order. So thanks for tuning in for Wacky Wednesday. Until next week, I'm Adam Best. That's Sterling Holmes. Go Chiefs! Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.